Hello, and welcome back to All Rings Considered. We are today talking about Book 3, Chapter 2, The Urukai. Um, this is kind of an odd chapter. Uh, it's a kind of an outlier. Um, this chapter is seen from Pippin's perspective, uh, and we get the story of Pippin and Merry being captured by the orcs, uh, and we get the story up until Pippin and Merry escape uh, on the edge of Fanglin Forest. Um, so the chapter is mostly um, Pippin and Merry being mistreated by some orcs. The orcs also, there's infighting, so we're revealed that uh, the orcs of Mordor and the orcs of Isengard are uh, grumpy with one another. And at the very end, um, Pippin and Merry escape into Fangorn Forest, and the riders of Rohan uh, slay the orc uh, company. Yeah. And it's weird for a couple of reasons. One, it's it jumps back in time, right? Right. But not with some explicit flashback. It just the narrative itself just goes back in time because we've already met the writers from Rohan from Aragorn's perspective after they've already killed the orcs, and that and then they go and investigate, you know, the burning bodies to try and find Merry and Pippin. So it's kind of strange to go back in time to back when the orcs first captured them, and then to get something. That's just from Mary and Pippin's perspective for the first time, right? which seems strange. I mean, we have had two chapters kind of preparing us to take us away from Frodo's point of view, but it's still interesting to have their, their POV for the first time and to finally see orcs sort of up close because we've never seen that in the book until this point. Yeah, it's actually, it's kind of a weird, it's, it's an outlier in that we get uh, events from an orcish perspective. Mm-hmm. I think, so it, this is really the only big thing I have to say about the chapter, which is that the orcs, thematically, what, you know, what do the orcs mean? What do they stand for? What does seeing their sort of culture up close tell us? And I think there are two things, two big takeaways I have from this. And the first is the general thematic thrust here, which is that Tolkien's running theme of evil will beat itself every time. Uh, it can't help but self-destruct, essentially and act selfishly mm -hmm. and it, it just has to so given enough time it will always make the wrong decisions or just lead to inviting among whoever's on the evil side and then the, the other sort of big takeaway i have isn't something tolkien meant for us to think about at least not explicitly while writing the chapter geez if these orcs are kind of human-ish and it seemed at least they're at least persons in some way which had never been said before in the, in the book, right? They'd always seen, been very soulless, basically animals. Mm -hmm. If they're persons, that has some implications here. Like, if okay, what, what do we make then of their evil nature? I mean, should we feel squeamish about their uh, slaughter <laughs> all the time? Mm -hmm. So interesting questions, interesting thoughts. And I know on that second point, Tolkien himself uh, had some thoughts on that, and he would write a lot outside of Lord of the Rings about his own uh, discomfort with the orcs hmm. because he wasn't really big on the idea that you could have a race of persons in some way be irredeemably evil yeah do you recall if there are any other chapters that are that are kind of like this we get a little bit of yeah. like an orc character we get um the the hand or the eye of sauron no not the eye the um the mouth of sauron um, oh, what? he's not an he, orc, is, though. Is he? Uh, uh, he's a human. 
Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. You'll you'll get it though at the end of book four. Uh the orcs that talk about Shelob and Frodo when they take uh, Frodo. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, that's true. You you see but it's the same kind of themes you see in this chapter. It's almost identical. It's you know, mortar orcs, Isengard orcs or not explicitly I don't think, but you know, various orc factions and them not getting along or like how they think what they think of Sauron, which is fear and all that stuff. Well I guess we'll get to that point, but we will see them one more time in the book be depicted as persons in a in a way. You know, you get this kind of reflection of the orcs debating about what to do about Merry and Pippin, you know, how whether they not necessarily where they want to take them to Isengard or to Mordor, but you know, do they want to they can't torture them. They're wondering, oh like are they good sport, you know, are they, uh, you know. Yeah, which I don't still don't understand what that means. Oh, I think it, my guess was that I always thought of the most dangerous game. So you let, okay. the, you let the, yeah. the hobbits out and see if you can catch them. Yeah, I guess. I mean, what else could that be? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you get kind of a reflection of uh, two chapters ago, we saw the three companions deciding what to do about Merry and Pippin. Um, mm. And here you have orcs deciding what to do about Merry and Pippin. But you still have this, so, you know, Pippin mentions he feels like luggage, and you kind of have that sort of reflected in these two groups deciding what to do about them, one wishing them harm and one wishing them trying to rescue them. Yeah. Um, this chapter really didn't have so much going on, though. Um, no, yeah, I, I think it, it really is. It's got that one, it's, it's one note, right? Look, orcs, evil, undoes itself. Uh, as well as, I guess, I think we take this for granted as people have read the books and know the narrative. Uh, we, we take the events for granted. But this is, well, there is significant exposition here to explain what's going on, <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. which I think maybe we've almost forgotten. Like, the, what, What's the dynamic here that these Isengard orcs had captured Merry and Pippin? How does that relate to Mordor? How does that t- relate to the Ring Quest? And we actually get that information here. And I think we just don't even think about that because we, we know the plot so well. <laughs> but... Mm-hmm. It actually is. It's almost a very important chapter for that reason. But I do think thematically it is pretty direct, one note. And I don't really think there's a lot going, more going on besides the evil undoes itself kind of thing. I had I had two more things, two notes. Um, did mm. you ever, have you read um, or heard of uh, The Gospel According to Tolkien? No. So it's this book by Ralph Wood. I actually don't really like it much, um, but it's about sure. theology, of uh, yeah. Tolkien theology. But he also, so there's this line in this chapter uh, when the orc uh, Grishnok is about to kill Merry and Pippin and then an arrow hits him in the, uh, the hand um, when he uh-huh. raises up his arm. Uh, the line is, an arrow came whistling out of the gloom. It was aimed with skill or guided by fate hmm. and it pierced his right hand. And it's kind I of under, this, I underlined that line yeah, too. Yeah, it's a good line. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, I love this sort of, this tokenism of alluding to a, a bigger um, shared uh, understanding of, of I guess, the theology, the, that fate is something that we can just take for granted as something that, you know, exists. And he doesn't go into it too much, but he's just, or guided by fate. And that's, you know, yeah. it kind of leaves the mystery it, about it. Yeah. When I don't even think, um, I think that's an interesting mix of, let me put it this way, I don't even think that's exclusively christian or theological there too i think Hmm. he's taking concepts from uh pre-modern or medieval literatures uh and pre-christian literatures and ways of thinking in which in in um in which you know in which case 
basically stuff like from Homer or stuff like Beowulf, where you see fate as this uh, is really the thing that governs everything, mm-hmm. like even the gods. So you see Beowulf and, and Beowulf, even though he's he and his the characters in that story, in that text, are they believe in God at least. It doesn't ever say Jesus, but presumably authors are Christian and they all believe in God and they do say they believe in God at least. They still say things like fate, fate goes ever as it must um, without giving God any credit, which is interesting. And, you know, you read stuff like Homer or something where, you know, the gods themselves are sort of bound by fate for what's going to happen with the Trojan War or what have you. Yeah, well, I tell you what, Ralph Wood uh, says basically the same thing. Oh, you know what? I should (laughs) have written a book. Uh, Yeah, right after the podcast. There we go. Just transcribe the podcast. (laughs) So I thought that, you know, this just... uh, Something small in the chapter to yeah. point out. I almost thought you were going to point out, when you said theology, too, I almost thought you were going to point out how it pierces his hand. Mm. Because my first thought there was some kind of Christian image. Stigmata. And I'm thinking, yeah, with an orc, though, nah. <laughs> I, I tend to think the same thing whenever I, like, stub my toe or... Sure. I'm like, ah. Then you realize you're just an orc and that, that means nothing. <laughs> so let's see. And then the other thing... I wanted to bring up. Oh, you know, this is kind of um, it's it's not on theme with the chapter, but it's in the book. We have this sort of uh, recurring surprise of the other races towards the hobbits about sort of their resiliency and their, you know, in in uh, regard to the ring, uh, their ability to resist, you know, uh, the evil of the ring. Um, and I sometimes I think like, what is it really about hobbits that, like, do we see like something about hobbits that really kind of makes like this kind of obviously makes them that way or do we see that like play out in how they act and i think this chapter gives us something and one thing i i really like about hobbits is their humor um like i actually i don't think the hobbits are very funny but like they're not individually like good comedians except bill bill was funny he's hilarious um but the hobbits have this great sense of humor where no matter what's happening, they can always kind of take a step back and then respond to the world, but as if there's something more to it. Um, where, like in this chapter, I think it was uh, Pippin who, when they, you know, were being, you know, whipped by the orcs and like on the trail, he, you know, says, "Oh, like, so when do we get bed and breakfast?" Um, right. And, you know, so there's this thing about the hobbits where they they interact with the world in a way that where they're a little bit removed from it. And not to say that they don't care about it, but they just it feels like the hobbits have this way of understanding that the world going on here is like outside of the mind where they kind of they have their their own internal response to the world rather than just being, oh, this is everything that there is. Mm -hmm. And I think I don't know, I, I think that shows up here. And there's really nothing else to talk about this chapter, so... <laughs> <laughs> We're really running out of things. I do want to make one final note about orcs as persons for a sure. moment. Which is that I sympathize and respect and I agree with Tolkien's own self-criticism about making them persons. And then sort of his then own awareness that, wait a minute, if that's the case... Uh, <laughs> Uh, because believe it or not, Tolkien didn't uh, didn't believe in morality as sort of black and white, or at least not among people. Right? He saw people or persons as mm-hmm. on the on the on 
spectra, right? And uh, as having degrees of both. So I, 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 I get it. I, I get his problem with that. But I also do think there's an importance, and I, I don't know how to solve this, but I, I do think there's an importance in exploring the nature of what evil means. And so he wants to make the point that evilness is self-defeating, ultimately. And how do you really do that effectively without making the orcs persons, right? That seems really tricky. So I get his criticism, his own self-criticism, as well as other people's criticism of this plot point. But I also do think it does serve a pretty valuable purpose. And there's not really a great way around it because something I haven't really touched on yet, but I do think you need to also demonstrate evil as um, chaotic and senseless. And I think that comes across in Lord of the Rings. Tolkien does a good job with that. So he needs the orcs to fill that role a lot. Probably right. mostly, right? That's actually their primary job thematically. Uh, but you also at some point need to, to demonstrate the self-defeating thing. And it's hard to have both those things, even though that is the case for evil. It's hard to really effectively do both without making the orcs persons on some level. It's tough. It's a tough tightrope. And I, I respect that he never really was super comfortable with it um, with his or with his uh, depiction or solution. But and I think that's almost OK, though. Like, it's OK to not be really comfortable with this and say there's something not quite right about it and almost leave it up to kind of a mystery in a way, right? Hmm. Well, um, did you have a favorite line from this chapter? I, I do. I, I'm predicting that we pick the same line this chapter. It's my prediction. So oh, let's interesting. See. Okay, let's find out. Because I feel, like this is, I feel like this is a really famous line. I feel like I see this line mentioned a lot. And I think it's the only one that even comes close to being a standout line for the chapter. But, well, so here it goes. Well, let's see. Let's see. Yeah. So my favorite line is when Pippin and Mary have escaped into Fangorn and they're looking back behind them, looking at the, the dawn rising and they want to see the, the riders and the orcs. And it says that out of the shadows, the hobbits peeped, gazing back down the slope, little furtive figures that in the dim light looked like elf children in the deeps of time, peering out of the wild wood in wonder at their first dawn. That's a great line, but it is not the one I picked. Nice. Well, that's good then. I was worried. I thought, I thought, uh, dang, this is, this is the only great thing. So, uh, which by the way it is. So whatever one you pick is wrong, but okay, <laughs> at least it's different. But no, that that's a that's a really just powerful line. The visual there, right? That elf children in dim light, deeps of time, the wild forest or the wild wood rather. The first dawn. I mean, oh my gosh, it's it's uh, striking, incredibly striking. Yeah, and I I love the echo too of that whatever themes play out in the world from the earliest times continue to echo into modern times that really all we're doing is playing out these archetypes of um, ancient uh, ideas right in the, in a way that human humanity's story never really quite changes entirely right we're always doing the same kind of stuff so yeah yeah i like that a lot it's it's picturesque i could see a mural painted of that of two sure. hobbits elven cloaks and the giant uh forest before them or I guess they're already in the forest, but right. Well, looking out of the forest, so peering out from the, of the forest onto the rest of the world. Yeah. So here, my my favorite line is actually from when Pippin is being carried in this orc march, um, mm -hmm. and he looks out in front of him, and he sees this. Um, Immediately in front were bowed backs and tough, thick legs going up and down, up and down, unresting, as if they were made of wire and horn beating out the nightmare seconds of an endless time. And it sounds awful. Yeah. 
beating out the nightmare seconds of an endless time really just mm. says to me how terrible this is. Yeah. So I, I would not want a painting of that. <laughs> Well, I'll write that. Oh, uh, right. chapter name, chapter name. I didn't say that. It's not good. It's oh, <laughs> shit. It's a uh, it's a five ring name for me this time. Okay. So at least it's not derivative, but it's just talking back to his can't spoil anything ways, um, and also want to be very plain and boring. So that's my chapter title. So no good, no bueno. Don't like it. Well, maybe we'll do better. Next time, when no, it's the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> when you join us for chapter four, Treebeard. <laughs> <laughs>